Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Good morning. We are here today with Tony Watley. He is known as the side hustle millionaire after his book with the same title became a number one bestseller on Amazon. If you haven't read it, you definitely need to check it out. But this book title isn't just fiction. It's based on his actual story. Tony once led a successful corporate career for over 25 years, but that is less interesting than the side businesses that he's created, which have generated millions in profit. As an active entrepreneur himself, he still owns a few businesses, but his real passion is teaching entrepreneurs how to start, scale, and sell their business within his consulting brand, 365 Driven. So wonderful to have you here with us this morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Can't wait to reach your listeners and give them some impact. <laughs> That's always good. Well, we like to start with learning a little bit more about how you got where you are today. So can you just give us kind of the snapshot view of how you landed here? Let's start back to my childhood. I grew up in a small town. It was about 15,000 people, Friendswood, Texas, outside of Houston. Parents were both blue collar. I didn't grow up with any money. We actually lived in the lowest income neighborhood of the entire city. That was a testament of my parents moving there to get us a good education because they had a good public school there, my sister and I. And my mom worked her entire career in the high school cafeteria as a serving, serving food. And my dad was a U.S. Marine. He got out of the Marines and he went into the chemical refineries. So I had two really hardworking blue collar parents, very disciplinary. And my mom was very disciplined on the school. Dad was always disciplined on leadership and work ethic and just doing the right thing. So I had a very structured life in that regard. But I was always taught if I wanted to do, to do anything, if I wanted to achieve anything, if I needed to be able to buy anything, that go out and find a job, go do something, go earn money. And they always supported that. So even at age 12, I was the kid that was walking around the neighborhood, pushing the mower, knocking on doors, asking if I could mow these yards. And if they would say no, I'd say, well, can I wash your car? And I would just do anything I could to make the money. And that's how I was able to buy my video games, my bicycles, skateboards. While other kids had allowance, I had zero of that. My sister and I had to figure things out. And that's just, that's what we know as entrepreneurship and the hustle nowadays. But I didn't know that as a kid. That was just like necessity. And honestly, that's still carried down into my adulthood. Well, I think those, you know, lessons that we learn, you know, through our parents and, and through those kinds of lessons um, are so important and so critical. And especially for entrepreneurs, I'm sure Kelly would probably echo those sentiments as well. Uh, I grew up in a very blue collar part of New Jersey. And I remember my stepfather would validate uh, or would praise me if I was willing to pick up extra shifts at the restaurant where we had tables, if I took a second job during the summer, especially during college. Uh, that was something that really, um, in his eyes, was, was just part of what we should be doing. You should want to work. You should want to hustle. You should want to um, you know, do as much as you can to attain the goals that you're trying to, you know, achieve for yourself. But, you know, that doesn't come from handouts. And that was, you know, a huge lesson that I learned from him. There are no handouts in this house. Anything you get, you will work for. Uh, and certainly that is translated as, as it is probably for all of us, uh, translated into creating the people that we are today. Yeah, that is so true, Cynthia, because I'll tell you that even though my parents made it a requirement for me to go out there and hunt for my own food, basically, and do things, 
They also gave me the credit for doing that. Exactly like you said, you, they, they told you, hey, good job. And I paid for my own college. It took me seven years. I was working full time in the chemical refineries at age 18. And basically, that's how I paid for college. I got an engineering degree from the University of Houston. And here's the thing. I remember my dad having a party one time. It was probably during the holidays. And he had all his coworkers and friends there. And I was in college at the time. And they said, hey, you know, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to mechanical engineering. I'm in school. And they go, oh. And they looked at my dad and said, I bet that's costing you a fortune, Bill. <laughs> and I was like, no, actually, my son works his ass off. And he's paying for it for himself. And then. Wow. You could just see the look on the other parents' faces who were sending their kids off to college and, you know, felt that, you know, they're they a little bit higher on prestige or status because of doing so. But you know what? That showed me that my dad was willing to acknowledge like, the hard work I was doing and give me all the credit. So even with the businesses that I've started, they, they've always been proud of that. But they never said, like, that's part of us. We, you got that from us, you know. So it was always go, go do something, go accomplish big things. My mom, Japanese immigrant, so she was always big on thinking big because she came from Japan and she, you know, women in Japan in her decades and her era were very limited on education. They got basically pulled out after junior high to go work in the farms. And so she valued education. And, I, and I'll tell you, I never missed a single day of school from kindergarten through graduation. I never missed oh. one. perfect <laughs> wow. attendance. And even if I was sick, basically, unless I was dying, I was going to school. Even I remember even breaking my arm in eighth grade and going to the doctor and then going back to school the same day. So that kind of tells you like, how strict she was on education, but she always knew that that was the key to success, being able to just gain the confidence and the knowledge and just always reading books. And the crazy thing was, is a lot of the things I do now, I can still think back of when I was first exposed to that as a child and I didn't even realize it at the time, like vision boards, we hear about that all the time. You know, you know we love vision boards, especially I'll bet your listeners do too. Well, I had a cork board above my desk in my room and I remember my mom would say, Hey, here's some magazines, cut out some pictures of cars or houses or, or things that you would like to have. And we use thumbtacks and just stick them on there. I had a vision board. I was looking back at like some photos of my room. And I think I had a vision board when I was like eight years old. Wow. That's, That's crazy. So you mentioned that it felt really good to be acknowledged by your parents. I'm curious if you were able to acknowledge yourself for all the hard work you were doing along the way, or if that came afterwards. I would say that I, I grew up with bullies and, you know, being an immigrant kid, even though I don't really look very Japanese, everybody knew who my mom was growing up in a mostly redneck area. And, you know, I've been beat up because of who my mom was and that kind of stuff. So I had lower self-esteem and I was taught to try to fit in. Don't do things because you'll get beat up and, you know, just just fit in, play nice with everybody. And that's how a lot of people teach their kids to do that, just to kind of blend in and don't stand out. That's the wrong thing to do because they're going to carry that into adulthood. They're going to just blend in and be sheep and just try to emerge and not do anything. And you'll find that the people who really accomplish major things in their lives are the ones who are willing to stand out and be truly outstanding. That's the definition of the word. Go do things. They don't build statues or name highways after people who blend in. And so I didn't have that confidence initially. I was shy. I'm, I'm still introverted. You may not hear that in my voice now. It's because I've learned to become an extrovert when it's required. That was not. That was a skill that I learned. It wasn't. It wasn't inherent within me. I know Cynthia's the same way. But to get to that question is that when I started to build the companies and do things, and I, I still had low self-esteem. I actually just made a post about that on Facebook. I. Before I started coming out and standing in the spotlight and sharing my story and my thoughts 
most people only defined me by the things that I owned because I was only posting photos of the cars that I own and the house and just the lifestyle and people admire that. They're like, Oh, that's some cool stuff. I wish I had that, but they didn't know who I was. It was very one dimensional. It was very shallow, very, and, and that was killing me because I knew that I had a story that could help millions of people. And that's what I'm doing now. But for a long time, I just thought there was some self doubt there. Did I get lucky Kelly? Did I, was this, did I bottle lightning and is this only going to happen once? Did I, you know, you just have all this self doubt. Am I not the right person? If I decide to step on stage are people going to criticize me and ridicule me? Yeah. They, the answer is yes. If you're willing to do that, they will always come out of the woodworks, get used to that. It's part of the journey. But for your, to answer your question exactly, I, I did not have the confidence until I became more aware of the things that I was doing right and the results I started to get more of the results of the things that I actually believe, the habits I've created. So honestly, I didn't really believe it until I was a millionaire, to be honest. That's amazing. You know, I, I think that, you know, for all of us, I think I speak for all three of us, being introverts, being entrepreneurs, uh, and people are oftentimes surprised to learn that. They just assume that if you put yourself out there, if you speak publicly, if, if you put yourself out there on social media, that somehow you can't possibly be an introvert. And what I always remind people of is, is that we all have things we have to overcome, whether it's limiting beliefs, whether it's mindset work, uh, whether it's the, the concept of I've always been, you know, I've always been this role and I can't do anything differently. Uh, I think that, you know, that makes us unique. But when I think about what might, might differentiate me from a lot of other people, it is very likely the fact that I'm feisty. Like deep down, I am just feisty. You're not going to knock me down. Um, I, I have now decided that the people that sit behind their computers and make all the nasty comments on social media, um, there's a guy named Fred somewhere. Fred is 45, obese, lives in his mother's basement, is addicted to porn. And so he sits behind his computer screen and just decides that he's going to, you know, try to ruin people's day, you know, sprinkling some nastiness everywhere he goes. But really what it comes down to is, is that for anyone who's trying to push themselves, better themselves, change the circumstances in which they, they came, they were born into or are experiencing, it really comes down to that grit. And that's not necessarily something that I think can be taught. Uh, it's something that you choose to do. It's something that you manifest. It's something that you have to align with your principles and, and the people that you choose to spend time with. And, and certainly, I'm sure for you being an entrepreneur much longer than we have, you probably have carefully cultivated the people that you are influenced by within your business and you know on social media. Yeah, I definitely take the lessons and the mentorship stuff seriously. I always want to learn and ask questions from people who have achieved the things that I would like to achieve in my life. That's very important because every single person on this face of this earth has opinions and they always have advice. We always want to give our two cents, but some of the times you need to give them a refund on their two cents, maybe give them three cents back. <laughs> so their two cents is, and, and you know what? Free advice costs people fortunes because what it does is free advice usually dissuades you from doing the things that you should be doing because it's coming from a place of safety from that person's perspective. It's their level of risk tolerance that they're giving you their advice from. And you start to look at their life and, the, and you put it in context of what the advice they're giving and you go, has, has that person ever taken any risks? Has that person ever done anything that I want to do? Has that person really the epitome of the lifestyle that I would like to achieve in a short term period? And if the answer is no, then just smile and thank them for their advice, but then just, you know, just delete it from your mind because it's not, it's not relevant. Everybody likes to give their advice just on who they are, what they've done and what they won't do. 
but they don't know who you are. So that's not relevant. So go ask the people who have done things, find the coaches, find the mentors, find the podcasts, people who are achieving the things at the high levels, go ask them. But here's the other thing you need to worry about is the circle you hang around with. Mm-hmm. That that's the most critical. I would say that is the most critical. It's, it's probably worse than it's more of an influence than the people that you ask advice from because when you don't have accountability, when you're hanging around a bunch of people who are aspiring to be average, or let's say, you know what, here's the thing. I, I want the listeners to understand that this is even at, at higher financial levels. It doesn't, like when you hear me saying that to avoid people that, that can negatively influence you, that doesn't mean that they're poverty level. We're not talking about that. It could be middle class. It could be upper middle class. It could be six-figure, multiple six-figure earners who have reached a level of complacency in their life, or maybe they or have achieved more in their life than they ever believed they could. So they have that huge level of self-doubt, low self-esteem. They're still buying the Ferraris and Lamborghinis to try to make themselves feel better about themselves. They're trying to fit in. They're, they're using self-deprecating humor to try to use humor to you know just disguise all these kind of emotions that they truly have internally. You start to be aware of those kind of people and you understand that when they reach that level, they think they're tapped out. They've already exceeded their maximum expectations but they consider you guys equals in that snapshot of time. Now, here's the thing was when you start to really push harder, because if you're like any of the three of us on this show, we want more all the time. We're always going to challenge ourselves. We're always going to improve. We're always going to try to get more knowledge, more help, more inner circle, better masterminds. We're, we're involved in investing in ourselves forever. Some people are not. And so when they see you climbing out of their box, man, they want to knock you down. They want to talk down to you. They want to, use passive aggressive statements to bring you down a notch. They want to embarrass you in front of your peers. They want to use humor to try to ridicule you down a level. And it's because when they see you climbing, what you've done is you've basically put a giant spotlight on the things that they're not doing in their life. And they don't like that discomfort. So rather than for them to step up, they'd rather to knock you down. It's going to happen at all financial levels of your life. Get used to it. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, 
me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some circumstances, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? I want to introduce you to a product by Air Doctor that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that have the potential to go on and make us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day, breathe-easy, money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorbro.com and use code CYNTHIA. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 in value. Look at the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Cynthia. I absolutely love my air filters. They're an integral component to ensuring that the air that my family breathes in our home is as safe as possible. Well, that's such a beautiful point. And I think that that speaks to the need to have those other people in your life to be surrounded by those people, even if it means initially paying for those people or, you know, purchasing the books, going to the seminars, surrounding yourself with the people, but also the information too. So you're really saturating your brain with new information. You know, our brain likes what's familiar and what's comfortable. And that's what we'll revert to every single time. So we need something to pull us out. And, and we're naturally resistant to change just as a function of being a human being. We are programmed to be resistant to change. So I think the more that we can do with people, information, resources like this, the, the better we can move forward and make change. Man, I love change. And here's the thing. <laughs> you're exactly right, Kelly. Most people avoid discomfort. They d- avoid confrontation. They, and that's human nature. We all have that tendency, even if we, we exhibit different actions. But I want you to pay attention to those fears that you have about things, the discomfort things, the tasks that cause you anxiety. Those are usually indicators of the things that you actually should be doing. Most people avoid those. They want to work on the problems that they want to work on instead of the problems they should work on. Even it goes with business owners and business managers. We tend to solve the problems we would like to solve instead of the ones we need to solve. There's a difference. Things that we're good at, we try to go, well, we could just check these boxes off and feel good about the day, but it didn't move the needle closer to your goals at the end of the day because you didn't do the problem that you should be working on. These are indicators. Whenever you still feel any kind of fear or anxiety, 
pay attention to that, step back for a second and go, why do I feel this way? Oh, it's because I need to be going to work on that shit. That's important stuff that I need to get done. And then just go do it. And you're going to find that you're going to have the bigger reward. You're going to feel better about yourself. You start to keep promises to yourself. That's where you start to gain courage. That's when your integrity starts to shine. It's so important to change things. And here's another thing. If when, when you surround yourself with an echo chamber, I mean, this is a great topic because we're getting into a political culture. It's about to have election year, right? 2020 is coming up. <laughs> we're going to start to see social media feeds just full of people getting all upset and overly emotional about all kinds of subjects on both sides. And it's craziness. And the problem is, is most people tend to hang out in their echo chamber. It's exactly what you said, Kelly. They're not, they're not open-minded enough to listen to perspectives that are not agreeable to themselves. When you start to attach an emotional reaction to these things, it's okay to disagree, but people have lost that talent. They, you can it, invite people to have their perspectives and try to understand, generally understand their perspective. Even if you disagree with it, it's always good to try to listen and understand why they feel that way. Why is this person so emotionally charged? Like, what is it that's causing them to feel this perspective? At the end of the day, you can still be respectful and disagree, but it's going to challenge your mind to expand to and even more, even more higher levels because now I understand why all these pieces fight against each other and how there's, a, there's advantages here, disadvantages here. And sometimes you start to discover like, you know, some of these are actually right. I actually agree with these, but why do we always pick this? Because it goes back to self-limiting beliefs. It's subconscious programming that we grow up with, our school system, our parents, our teachers. They indoctrinate us in these thoughts and beliefs and we don't ever doubt, we don't ever dare challenge them. It's just how we're grown up with so I've had friends that were lifelong Democrats that became Republicans and lifelong Republicans that became Democrats because he started opening up their minds and understand like, why, why do I believe what I believe? This doesn't jive. It's just because my parents told me I needed to vote this way. And that's just one example. There's all kinds of things that you should be challenging yourself with. Get out of the echo chambers, quit hanging around people that only talk about the same things that you talk about. Otherwise, it gets boring. I mean, the best example I can think of is, you know, just all of us being active on social media outlets. You see it throughout platforms. And I did a post, for example, yesterday about limiting beliefs. And everyone was, everything was very positive, except for one person. Clearly, it triggered her. And she was actually fairly nasty. And so I responded because... I just did, it didn't trigger me. I just figured I would just provide some backstory about why I had posted what I posted. And interestingly enough, a family member came to me and said, I was about ready to knock that person out. I could not believe it. I said, see, this is where I came from. Like I saw immediately that this person was triggered by my post, likely because of her own limiting beliefs. And sometimes just extending a kindness. You know, I think a lot of people on social media have expectations that if they post something that's provocative or nasty, people are going to be ready and ripe and ready for an argument. I just diffused it automatically. And I said, I, you know, at the very bottom, I said, I wish you well. And you know, my husband was surprised that I even reacted that way. And I said, you have to really understand that, you know, all of us that are entrepreneurs putting ourselves out there, um, you know, really doing our best to not subscribe to limiting beliefs, to understand the importance of pushing ourselves mentally, physically, and otherwise, there's a whole slew of people who just, they can't even get through a day. They're, they're, they're so bogged down by whatever dogma they grew up within, uh, their own negativity. And that's not something I have to take. I don't have to, none of us have to take ownership of that. You know, we can allow ourselves to process it, look at it, say, I see it for what it is and move forward. But the whole concept of self-evolution that you're talking about is so critical. I think if we stay trapped in antiquated dogma, we're not allowing ourselves the opportunity to really 
expand our mind, expand our, you know, expand any, you know, options that may avail themselves. And certainly, and the, all three of us are great examples of that, you know, how our lives have kind of transected what is expected to be normal trajectories for our lives at whatever given point in, in time we are, uh, you know, going against the norm is always a good thing. That is so true, Cynthia. Emotional intelligence is the most powerful stance that you can come from. Emotional control is also related to that, obviously. So if you're out there and you're throwing temper tantrums and having road rage and doing things and emotionally reacting on an outward level, that means you are a weak person. Most people think that's a sign of strength. Mm -mm. Like when you're blaring the horn and you're yelling at your windshield or you're angry because someone that cuts you in, in line and, and, you're, and you're outwardly exhibiting that, you're basically emotionally weak, you're physically weak. And most people just think that strength is terrible. It's like they don't understand. They haven't been educated. They haven't gained that awareness yet. Some people never gain that awareness, let's, let's be honest. But those who are emotionally intelligent, we're able to assess that. And, and you know, you're going to feel the anger. You're going to feel furious sometimes, but it's how you react that, that shows the self-control. And if you have no self-control, you're one of the weakest people walking this planet. That's just the fact that that's just how it is. So what you talked about was that person being triggered and like immediately going to the keyboard and going into defense or offense mode and want to prove them right. But here's the thing I've never seen in, in the entire history of the internet since I've been on since 1996, I've never any, seen anyone concede or change their opinion mm -hmm. on the internet. Right. It's really just a waste of time. So it's not only is it like bad for you to go battle them, because I'd say in my 20s and my 30s, I probably did that. I tried to prove them wrong. You know, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I'm an engineer. Like I'm going to, I'm going to beat you with math facts. and statistics and, facts, facts. Yep. <laughs> and even then you won't change their mind. So I realized I'm just really wasting my time, wasting my energy. And this person's just consuming way too much attention from me. And so I learned to just do exactly what you said. I just diffuse them. I say, Hey, you know what? Sorry, you disagree. This is my stance. You're not going to change my mind either. This is my post. If you don't like it, it's like, you know, you can go unfollow me. I don't really care. It's like, Correct. I post. This is my stage. Yeah. Go, go get on your own stage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, most likely they don't have a stage and have no, no interest in it. That's the issue. It goes they back to say, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to the Fred character that I think of. Anytime I see like nasty posts on it, 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 irrespective of gender, it goes back to Fred. So that's that's your what is it, your hater avatar? Yes. <laughs> His name is Fred. And then my husband pointed out recently, he said, My middle name is Frederick. And I said, I, I just it, it has no connection to you whatsoever. <laughs> when I think of that nasty person, their name is Fred. And so that's I just kind of giggle silently to myself. I, I would say from the past two years of me standing on the stage, I would you know, it kind of touches on what I said earlier. I would say that most of my actual haters, people that have been really critical actually people I've, I've known online for a while mm -hmm. and they tend to fall in the 100 to $200,000 salary range and they have a, a pretty good career maybe, but I can tell that they're not fulfilled. They're not happy even though they fake it in person because their lives are miserable. They're not, they're working too much. They don't have the vacation time. They're seeing me enjoy these things. They're seeing me start to gain this audience that they think that they're entitled to. So there's a little bit of envious jealousy going on and, Honestly, the people who like you would think would be like the low income, like they would be the total haters. Like, no, they're the ones that support the most because they believe in that dream and they want to get there someday. So be wary of the people in that, in that demographic. It's not always the people that you think that are, are going to come out. And here's the thing is the people that stepped out of the woodworks to support you, that will surprise you as well. So there's a great trade off of people that you get rid of in your life and people that step into your life. 
Isn't that amazing? I think so often we cling to these friendships and relationships out of habit or convenience, and they're really not serving us. But yet we have this fear that if we let those go, one, what will that mean about us? And then two, how will we replace those? But what I found in my personal experience and working with hundreds of clients is that when you're able to step back from those and just either directly confront them and say, this isn't working, or just kind of let them fade to the back, it really makes room for the people and experiences to come in who are going to help to take you to the next level and support you on that journey. You nailed it, Kelly. It's so important to get rid of those people. And as pleasers and as people like us three that like to help others, it's very hard, <laughs> very hard to sever connections. We don't want people to dislike us. We, we want to be liked. But the thing is, is those people do not serve you. And the best way I, I really diagnose people really quickly now, it's, it's the energy level. Like, does that person bring me energy or does that person take energy? And that's a real simple yes, no question. There's no maybes. We all know people. We can look at, hey, is that bring, person bringing me energy? Or are they taking energy from me? And if the answer is that they're taking energy from me, I just create distance. I can create distance by making up other things that I need to be doing instead of spending time with them or talking to them on the phone. Or I can just basically cut them out. And if they're toxic, if they're attacking you or criticizing you or doing that kind of things, and you find out about that, it's like, get rid of those people immediately. They, they do not need any access. Just cut them out immediately. Yeah, the concept of energy vampires is a really important one. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, working in, in clinical medicine for so many years, I was so, it, it's, it's an introvert's dream to work in medicine because you really do have a lot of control over what you're exposed to, who you talk to. It's usually on your own terms. But being an entrepreneur, I have become very, very um, careful and conscientious about who I spend time with because my time is so much more valuable now. And oftentimes that's my children and, and my family, but the individuals that I talk to every day uh, that I'm messaging either on social media that I have a genuine friendship, you uh, both being two of those people, makes a huge difference in my perspective and you know my level of happiness and positivity because life is too damn short to be you know, constrained by individuals that, that bring you down. Tony, you know, what you mentioned, and as well as Kelly, you know, individuals that really don't have your best interests at heart, that really are trying to bring you down because they feel so poorly about themselves. And I don't have to take ownership of that. And boundaries are so critical. I can think of a particular family member who will remain nameless, uh, who is going through some interesting things this summer, and I've just had to really not make myself available uh, to support them in different ways. But being around them is so toxic. It's just not the way I want to spend my free time. Yeah, our life is our life is too short. No, no day is guaranteed. We could all die today. It's just that's the that's the fact of life. And just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. 
Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's Colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced. And it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. The thing is, most people are just unwilling to do the things that they really want to do and serve their lives because they're worried about critics or worried about these naysayers and, and haters that are going to come out. So they allow those people, it's, it's, honestly, it's a, very, it's a very small minority of people within the, all the people that you know will be like that. And if you allow those critics to hold you back in life, you're going to die with regret. Mm-hmm. And when you look back, let's say like you do finally live to your ripe old age, hopefully at least median 85, like normal right now. And let's say you're on your deathbed and you've, you look back, do you really want to have regrets and think about like all those critics that kept you from doing the things that you wanted to do and achieve in your life? Because I can guarantee you those critics will not be standing there at your deathbed. They will not be at your funeral. So why the hell do we let these people run our entire lives, but they don't matter? Right. And if we think back to that study that was done by the hospice nurse who was with many dying patients, Mm -hmm. she talked to them about what they wish they had done differently or what regrets they had. And the regret that they most had was not doing something, right? They didn't regret doing something and failing. It was regretting not even trying. Absolutely. That's the number one thing is regret. And that was a, I forgot the title of that book, but it was powerful to read it. And it was yeah, regret is the number one thing that the elderly have really regret not trying and, and worrying about what other people think about them. Yeah, and it's really true. I mean, certainly uh, working in cardiology and ER medicine, there were a lot of people, you know, even younger people that were um, in a position where 
they were no longer in a, they could no longer, um, you know, make decisions for themselves. So they were, things were forced upon them, you know, medical things were forced upon them. And the concept of regret is a powerful one. And, and I just, you know, a lot of the things that I try to invest in my children is the concept of not living with regrets. There are a lot of things that we can look back on and say, I could have maybe handled that differently, but the concept of regret is a powerful one. And so definitely I live my life trying to ensure that I experience as much as I can within a safe, you know, avenue. Um, but Tony, I, you know, I want to kind of turn the conversation. So for those listeners that are interested, that are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs, you know, what are the first kind of steps you would suggest to someone in terms of maybe they're working a nine to five job, they've got a family, they need to be able to do this, maybe starting as a hobby and then expanding that interest into something that's more substantial. I think that a lot of times most people, especially if we come from the blue collar background, the employee mindset, we think that we had to trade our hours for dollars. That's what our corporate salary is. A lot of, a lot of people think that they're prideful because they have a salary, but you're really still breaking it down to a 40 hour work week is what that's based on. So you are still an hourly employee. That's likely how your parents were raised as well. We weren't having this passive income coming in. We, we weren't earning money while we slept or were on vacation. Like that doesn't even sound realistic to most people. The vast majority of people don't even believe that's possible. Mm-hmm. But then you have people like me who have created businesses where earning millions of dollars working one hour per day, things like that. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And you know, you go read books like the four hour work week and some people actually feel like defensive when they read that. They're like, Oh, this is a bunch of hogwash. And (laughs) thousands and thousands of people have figured out very similar combinations and it's all working for them. So you gotta be really willing to think about not connecting money and and dollars. That's the number one thing that most people need. They fail at. They, They think that there's a related because we grew up with these stupid self-limiting beliefs like time is money, mm-hmm. money is time. We've all heard that phrase. Every single person on this earth has heard that phrase and it doesn't, it's not true. It's absolutely not true. Time is not equal to money. That's an employee mindset that's been dictated down from teachers and professors and parents and friends. And, and, and when people post that, everybody's like thumbs up. They're like, they go, yeah, time is money. You know what? You're just reinforcing a self-limiting belief. You don't even realize it. It's kind of funny. It's like this mantra that was created for employees. So think about what can I do to scale my own time? What can I do to multiply my time? What can I do to maybe make income without any time at all? Those are all realistic possibilities, especially with online now. Businesses online and doing things that you can be earning money while you're in the shower. It's like there's so many things that you can do now. It's never been easier to start businesses but you need to get out of thinking like I need to just get a part-time job or go drive for Uber or hand build these crafts that take me two hours every night after work. It's those things don't multiply very well unless you can start to train 10 other people to build those for you. And then you're making money off there. That's, that's the other way you multiply time is get employees, get staff, get paid off of their time, not your own. See what I'm thinking? So websites, online businesses, you should be able to make money while you're sleeping if you're doing things properly nowadays. You give, you've got online courses, Cynthia, I've got, I'm building yeah. one of my own. You wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, you go turn on your emails like, hey, I made a thousand bucks last night. Yeah. That's, that's a reality. Nowadays, it's oh. reality. If you, if you just figure that out, and it's not hard, guys, it's not hard. Well, it's interesting. There was a, you know, after my TED talk, um, my team and I decided that we were going to create a group program. We're like, a lot of people are asking for help. Let's create this. So we beta tested it. And what's interesting to me is I remember sitting, we had gone out to eat, my children and my husband and I were out to eat. And I looked at my husband and I said, I just had 17 orders come in while we sat at this table. 
And he was like, what? <laughs> and my husband works for, you know, a, you know, a very well-regarded German company. He is an employee. Uh, but it was interesting for him to kind of recognize, you know, the, the substantial differences that, as you said, you could be going out to dinner with your family, you could be taking a shower, you could be on vacation and you're still making money. And what a difference that is from the mindset of being a nurse practitioner, having to be physically in a hospital or an office in order to generate my salary or getting paid time off. That was the only way that that happened. Uh, so yeah, th that's such valuable information. And I think for many of our listeners that, you know, maybe have an idea that they want to, uh, you know, become an entrepreneur or, you know, it, it really, it really benefits you to invest in your own education. I was trying to explain to someone uh, recently that as, as a medical professional, we have no medic, we have no business training whatsoever. So what I've learned over the past three years has been through, you know, working with people like yourself, as well as other business mentors, you really have to invest in yourself so that you can make the best decisions for you and your organization. And I, unfortunately, I see a lot of entrepreneurs who spin their wheels. They don't want to invest. They get very stringy, you know, stringent with their money. They get very, you know, the scarcity mentality that to spend money, that means they're going to take money away. And I keep reminding them that the more money you invest in yourself and your business, the more it will come back to you. You just have to kind of switch that mindset. Uh, because if you sit back and think that you can do it all, you'll never be efficient. In fact, we just hired our fourth team person for my business recognizing that we, the team that I had couldn't handle the influx and volume over the last several months. And so I was explaining to my husband as an example, you know, this is what they cost every month, but really benefits me because I can invest my time and attention into things I'm best at versus dealing with admin stuff, which completely spins my wheels. I hate email. <laughs> <laughs> that That's, that's huge. What you just mentioned that, that last segment there, the it's, Entrepreneurs, we think in terms of ROI, return on investment. We just look at everything that we purchase or spend money on as ROI. Employees, think about price, mm -hmm. price, price, price. That's too expensive. That's too, they, everything to them is price because it's an expense and it's, it's spent and it's gone. It's like poof. So when you start to own a business, you start to think about, I need to buy these things. But here's, there's even some entrepreneurs that do not think in ROI yet. They're still entry level or maybe they're just not aware of, like you said, investing and getting a return on that. So if I go spend $10,000 and get a coach, but I earn $100,000 because of the things they taught me, it was well worth the expense. And, and if you even use this kind of simple math with an employee mindset, like, hey, if I gave you $10 or no, let's say like, let's say, let's say we met and you gave me $10 and I handed you $100 and then you gave me another $10 and I handed you $100. Wouldn't you just want to do that all day long? And they're like, oh, hell yeah, I would like to do that. That sounds awesome. It's like, that's, that's when you start to think in terms of ROI, mm -hmm. what is the return on my investment? The coaches I'm hiring this year, they're going to cost me over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So it's real shit, but I'm going to earn millions of dollars based on the contacts I'm going to generate and the ideas that these guys create for me in my lifetime. So I don't mind spending a hundred thousand dollars because I will earn millions from that, that proximity, the network. I guarantee it's going to happen. I've already seen it play out on smaller scales. I'm just willing to take more risks now because I started to see the results. So it's, Think about that as a return. When you go buy something for your business, like can we create more income from that? Can we create more profit from that? That's the return on investment. Employees that are just getting into the market, they think of everything at expense. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing is a lot of times entrepreneurs, especially when they're leaving the corporate field to go start a business, they tend to be alphas. They tend mm -hmm. to be very independent and they have this bravado about them. Like I'm gonna be self-made and 
I'm going to do everything myself. I'm a smart person. I'm going to figure this out. And you know what? That's how most of us start. Mm -hmm. That's how most of us start until you realize like you just wasted five years of progress. You could have just hired somebody, spent one hour with that person, asked the right questions and then save yourself like five months of work. That's, right. that's, that's what it is. Go pay for the access, go pay for the knowledge, spend some time, quit trying to kill yourself to relearn things that people already know, get the information, get the answer and just move on and then go find out the next problem. What do you think your best investment in the past year in your business has been? I would say coaching, finding the right mentors and coaching for me. And, and if you're hiring a mentor coach and they don't have their own mentor coach, then you probably shouldn't be hiring them. If they're not achieving the things that you wish to achieve, you probably shouldn't be hiring them because how, how can they pitch you on coaching or mentoring if they don't invest in that in themselves? So it's funny because I was telling somebody that I know that, yeah, I'm going to be spending about $100,000 this year for coaching. His eyes got really big. And I said, well, one of my mentors pays his mentor $800,000 per year. It's incredible. It's a billionaire. He's got a mentor that's a billionaire. So when, when his eyes got that big, it's like, exactly. It's like they, even at the high levels, they still hire people because they know the investment's going to be there. It's going to come back to them. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because I've had, technically I've had three business coaches and I've learned different things from each one of them, but I feel as if the last year has really been really truly the last year, last 12, 13 months has been critical. You know, the decisions that I decided to make on my own, uh, both to challenge myself and then also to, you know, expand my reach have been absolutely, uh, the, I mean, I, I keep saying, you know, the, the best decision I ever made was leaving, leaving clinical medicine. The second best decision I ever made was, you know, doing these four or five things that all in a row really had huge impact on my business. Now, for those that are listening, um, how can they find you? How can they reach out to you if they're budding entrepreneurs or if they're just interested in hearing more about your book or your podcast? What's the best way for them to reach you? My website is 365driven.com, so 365driven.com, and you'll find links to my social media. I'm very active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. My best-selling book, Side Hustle Millionaire, is also on there, and you'll also find my link to my podcast, all in a tidy little one website URL, so that's easy to remember, hopefully. Well, wonderful. It's such a pleasure to have you on. And, and honestly, Kelly and I could sit and talk to you for hours because you're just such a breath of experience and knowledge and positivity. Uh, thank you so much for carving a little bit of time out of your morning to meet with us. I enjoyed it, Cynthia. Kelly, thank you for having me on. It's been a fun episode. I'll catch you two online, I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.